today on The Breakdown. It's another Garrett versus Andy Hand. And you know, at this point, it's GarrettAndy.com. It's 100 years, Garrett and Andy. Garrett and Andy forever. We're never going to stop doing Garrett and Andy Hands from Live at the Bike. But I got to tell you, this one is absolutely off the charts. They're playing crazy deep, as always. You know, why not start with 550 blinds? Because they're Garrett and Andy, of course they're going to do that. And they're going to play a hand that just sort of defies standard conventional poker wisdom. And the, but there, it's levels upon levels with these guys, and we're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Lennon. Hey. Yeah, it's another guarantee. But it's worth it. It we're, is. We're doing it for a reason. Man, is it worth it. It's a good one. These guys play wacky poker. That's why Live with the Bike loves them. That's why they keep featuring them as much as they possibly can. These are the, the main attractions for Live with the Bike at this point, right? They are. Unless they get Berkey or Helmuth every once in a while, you know. But maybe Berkey's not even as big as these guys anymore. I'm not sure. I don't know if he is. I don't know. These guys are really doing interesting stuff. And this hand is maybe the pinnacle of interesting for these two guys that I've seen. This may be the very top of the top. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And it's always hard to analyze these guys because they clearly have a ton of history together. Yeah. And there's a a clear leveling war going on between these guys where like whatever is happening recently within their poker relationship probably has a huge impact on how they're going to play hands against each other. And we can't know the details of that intricately the way that they do. Mm -hmm. But we can see them act and make assumptions based on that and, and think maybe... They're doing this because of X reason or Y reason. But clearly in this hand, there's a lot of exploit. As you'll see, the solver will disagree with a lot of the decisions in this hand. Indeed. Yeah. This hand, by the way, was suggested by Andres Korn on Twitter. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Andres, actually. Okay, go uh, ahead. But first, he, of course, suggested it on Twitter. We are the poker guys on Twitter, at two poker guys. He included a YouTube link and a time stamp. So we have, like, our Hall of Fame, uh, and that's for suggesting how, how much you suggest and stuff like that. Yeah. And Andres, certainly not in the Hall of Fame. Look at you. So wow, I, you never say that about anyone. Well, it's because he's not, he doesn't suggest that often. He suggests a little bit every once yeah, in a while. That's right. But from all of our listeners, it's likely, if not probable, that he is the most accomplished at poker. Um, he probably has the best results of any listener we're, any like consistent listener we're aware yeah, of. Yeah, Andres right? has $2 million in earnings, yeah. including winning a 5K World Series of Poker bracelet in 2017, for over 600K. Yeah, that's super impressive. Yeah, so Andres is legit. So thanks for the suggestion, Andres. Yeah, we're, we're excited to have it. And we do love this hand. Yeah, we do. Man, oh man, this hand. Should we just get straight to it? Yeah. It's like Andre the Giant. Have you ever seen that Andre the Giant's hands? Have you ever seen Boban Marinovich's hands? You ever seen those guys' hands? Boban's hands are insanely they're, they're weird. They're like party favor big. Yeah. And uh, Andre the Giant's hands are like that too. And these hands are like that. <laughs> well... I mean, no. No, not at all. It's not like... They're not big hands. They're just they're, wild. The, the way they play the hands is like they're that. They're super unusual and noteworthy and worth talking about. That's what we're doing here on okay. this podcast that Let's, you've all agreed to listen to by clicking the button that says play. Remember to wash your hands, people. Eh, who cares? Wash your damn hands. <laughs> all right. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Let's get to the hand. Okay. We're going to have it. At some point, we're going to remind me we're going to do a... Tweet of the week, because I got a, uh, a tweet about that, which I'm going to want to do, but we'll do that in the middle. A tweet of the week? Yeah. New, okay. New feature, new, new section. Tweet of the week. All right. Everybody. But that's for later. We are at 5,100 or something like that. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. We're, we're super deep. I think it's 5,100. Well, anyway. what we know is that Garrett opens to 300 in the hijack. He's got 66,000 in front of him, which is obviously a lot. For yeah. If it's 5,100, which is like the minimum it could be. That would be 660 Or maximum blinds. it could be, excuse me. Uh, he's got ace, six of spades. So far, not so weird. It's going pretty normal. Yeah. Folds to his nemesis, Andy, in the big blind. And he's got 55K. He is the short stack in the hand. <laughs> 550 blinds. Yeah. <laughs> he three bets to 1,400 with two jacks. Sure. Jack of spades, jack of hearts. Garrett, of course, not folding. He could, th- he could four bet this hand. Yeah. But at this stack depth, you can't fold a suited ace. Oh, no. No position. chance. No chance. No. Absolutely not. It's either four betting or calling. Right. I think calling is fine when you are this insanely deep in position. Like, super easy to call here. Yeah. Right? Like, you can four bet a little, but mostly you should be calling. Well, that's what Garrett does. Good. He calls. Good. Pot is $3,025. 
Okay. <laughs> the flop itself is not crazy, but the weird stuff starts happening on the flop. Yep. It's, starts right away on the flop. Queen of spades, queen of hearts, eight of spades. So decent flop for jacks. Yeah. And a six of spades, pretty happy as well. With draw. Everyone feels reasonably good about this flop. But it goes check, check. Yeah. So let's talk about these checks individually, okay. starting with Andy's. All right. First question is, what is Andy trying to accomplish with this check? Second question is, what is his checking range on this board having three-bet preflop? Those are really good questions. So what's he trying to accomplish? My best guess is he's trying to underrep his hand slash get Garrett to start bluffing. Like yeah. right away, like bet those suited connectors, bro. Bet, bet the nine ton of diamonds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem with this plan that immediately comes to mind, of course, is that if we show strength at any, first of all, we can't really show strength, right? We can't check raise or anything like that. That would seem weird. Yep. So the only thing we can really do is give Garrett a chance to fire three bullets and plan on calling them down, depending on, of course, how the board. If runs the run out is clean enough. But this is like, if it goes deuce, deuce, you know, two red deuces, we're probably going to go call, 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 right? Yeah. Most of the time. And there's sizing issues and stuff like that, but mostly. Um, so it gives Garrett a lot of power in terms of deciding how much money he wants to put in the pot, right? If he has a showdownable hand, which he's going to have a fair amount. He did call the three bet. I know we're super deep. Um, he doesn't have to put in a bet on every street. He could check the turn. He, as we see, he checks the flop even, which is a surprise. But um, there's a, So that, that's interesting, that that's happening. But coming back to your question, I think what he's trying to accomplish is to get Garrett to just start firing away, and it's a way to control the pot while, while this is happening. Because it's a lot less comfortable to call if you get raised than if you go into check call mode, partially? Well, yeah. Also, you're so, this is where being so super deep really works against you if you bet and get raised, right? Because now you're putting so much more of your stack on the line by the time you get to the river, and Garrett bets huge on the river. Right. This is the exact type of hand that is why people are afraid to play super deep stack no limit hold them against yeah. players like Garrett. If yeah. you three bet jacks out of the big bun, get a flop like this, it's like pretty good. But are you really willing to put in $55,000 against a guy who maybe you're supposed to put in $55,000 I mean, against? You don't want to. And but by checking and he's keeping Garrett's range as wide as possible. Right. Yeah. So like if he bets and Garrett raises, that's really different than if we check and Garrett bets really different. Even if we bet and Garrett calls, it's, it's a much, he's going to fold some of his hands. Right, if we bet and he calls, he's got some folds. I know you may it may not feel like it, but he's going to fold like six, seven of hearts and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but you know, here if by checking, if he bets, he's just going to. I mean, those those are the kinds of hands he may feel sort of obligated to bet at least some of the time. The suited connector misses and stuff like that. Obviously, Gary can have a lot of bluffs. Sure. So, so that's your, I think that answers your first question. Your second question was interesting too, though, which is what hands is Andy in his in his range is Andy doing this with? Right. This this hand. Feels like a hand that is a little bit on the high end of value to be checking, but still within the range of like normal poker checking, mm -hmm. like the medium strength hand where you'd want to control the pot size type of hand. Yeah. Um, so I guess he's going to have a decent amount of those hands like nines, tens, ace, king, hands like that. I mean, they're so deep. He may also sometimes check like kings and aces because I yeah. expect him mostly to bet them on the flop. But every time he gets called, he may check the turn. Not every time, but some of the time he's going to check the turn. Some of the time he may just check the flop also with the big over pairs just to like keep himself all balanced and stuff. I guess the question is, is he and should he have any checks with complete air? Like if Andy has the four or five of hearts here. Mm. I think he should have some, but I don't believe he does. Yeah. Um, unless, he has check, unless he's checking to check race. With them, but, which is just kind of a random stab, right? But um, but I, my guess is he has very little like complete give ups on this board. However, he decides to go about it, be it to bet or to check to check raise. Um, I understand why once you three bet, often we're going to take our worst hands and just go for it. That's reasonable. My guess is Andy's taking way more than just his worst hands, just from having seen a bunch of his hands now. Only when he plays, you know, that he's taking like. I don't know. Let's make some stuff up here. I guess Jack 10 is a gut shot. So yeah. that's a little different. He's probably just going to bet that anyway. He doesn't want to check call that. Um, but if he has somehow has like, I don't know, he can have weird stuff. We've seen him with deuces put in a three bet for sure. Yeah. Um, and he might, I don't expect he's ever giving up with a, I guess that's at least a pair anyway. You don't need to give up with deuces. But if he has, yeah, freaking four or five, which he's going to have some of, right? Yeah. He's, I, just, I can't think of a hand he's going to give up with. Can you? No. So in practice, he doesn't have any just complete error. Right. So when he checks, he's either checking a call or checking a raise. He's not checking a fold. We don't, I don't think. That seems likely. So he's got either 
which is wrong. Medium, yeah. <laughs> he's got medium strength value. He's got a really big hand, or he's got a hand that makes sense as a check raise to him that's not that strong. Maybe a hand like King Jack that blocks Garrett's most likely queens, mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, that's uh, reasonable. That's a pretty good hand for that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I guess he's going he's gonna to have to check some queens if he's checking yeah. jacks here. He's going to have to check his queens sometimes. Yep. But obviously, you don't want to be checking that all the time. You're just missing out on value. Especially when you're this deep, you just want to build that pot up. So this check just feels weird overall because yeah. of all of these reasons. I mean, jacks are a hand that doesn't want to play a huge pot anymore. Yeah. Right? Unless we turn a river a jack. So he's just going into... It looks like he's just going into check call mode and pot control. And I would guess he's not playing and going anywhere unless the board runs out rough. Well, the solver hates the check. Yeah. Wants Andy to bet 97% of the time. It's a really good board. Yeah. You're mostly ahead. There's hands you can get value from, like Garrett's. There's hands that have a lot less equity than Garrett's that you can get value from. And he does block a lot of the things that he might try and get value from. He has a spade in his hand. There's two spades on the board. He has two jacks in his hand that block some of the straight draws. So there is that. Yeah, but Garrett has a bunch of pocket pairs he's going to call with, oh, and he has a bunch yeah. of eights he's going to call with. Yeah, and if he has something like ace-10... He might I don't call. know if he's going to fold that either. I don't know. It's Garrett. He does weird stuff. And he'll probably check that back. Yeah, I would think he often is going to check a hand like ace-10 back because he doesn't expect Andy's just giving up. Yeah. Anyway, do you think that's why Garrett checks back? Speaking of checks? I think it's a combination of... If he doesn't think he has any fold equity, I guess it's a good check anyway. You could be trying to build a pot anyway, I know, though. because you have the nut flush draw. Yeah, it's okay to try and build the pot. We can withstand a check raise as Garrett right now. Um... I think I'd mostly want to be building but the pot here, but that's actually is once in a while a reason to check, right? Where it feels like, well, of course you're going to bet your nut flush draw here. Right. And so like sometimes you should check it so that way Andy just can't ever put you on it when it comes in. But mostly you should be betting. I mean... They should both be betting. This is a little fancy by both of yeah. these guys. I think what Garrett is doing is... I mean, it's cool because it's deceptive. It's trying to say like, you were not going to put me on a flush if it gets there probably. Although I don't know with the metagame between these guys, maybe Andy would. Who knows? Yeah. But the thing that really kind of grinds my gears about Garrett's check here is that this is a great board to bet when check two out of the big blind. The big blind, like you're saying, even a non-Andy player, traditional player, might be checking aces and kings some of the time here because of the two queens on the board because Garrett has plenty of queens in his range. Garrett has like queen 10 suited plus, right? And queen jack off Mm. plus. Yeah. That's a ton of queens. Yeah. He's got so many. He also has eight, eight. So like, doesn't it make sense for you to also bet your flush draws when you have all those strong hands in your range? And you put that in combination with we really do want to build a pot. Once in a while, Andy's going to make a very strong second best hand when we make the nut flush. Uh, and there's not too much to be afraid of. Even if Andy's got some check raises in him, we have showdown value. We're not folding to a check raise. It's fine. It's yeah. fine to bet. I think we should almost always be betting this. I do too. Yeah. For all the reasons you said. Anyway, Solver agrees with that, too. Wants Garrett to bet 90% of the time. Yeah. So here we are. These guys are playing like shit. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, I think there's some metagame involved. And who knows what would happen if Garrett bet. It's possible that Andy would check raise two jacks because he's like, well, I blocked queen jack. And, I mean, that seems so and, dumb. And uh, Garrett's going to call with an eight. <laughs> like, I don't know. I assume that's not what's going to happen. I assume Andy's just check calling. Probably. But Andy does surprise these us. These guys do some weird stuff. Andy does surprise us. We're going to see that in the future. Yes, we are. Also in the future is you signing up for Nitrogen Sports. Yes. I'm talking to the audience, not Jonathan, of course. I was going to talk about my own experience. No, talk to the audience. Oh, um, yes. Talk to the one audience member you want to talk to the most. Okay. Should I name them or just... I think I'm going to name them. I'm going to name them. I call you Starf... Go ahead. Give them a pet name. Don't, Don't say their actual name. Yeah, of course. Okay. They'll know who they are. I mean, for me, it was going to become their actual name. Okay. I call you Starfish okay. Firefish. Starfish Firefish. Yes. All right. So this is a personal message from Jonathan yes. to Starfish Firefish, but it might apply to all of you. Yeah. And it's about nitrogen stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. <laughs> okay, just checking. Um, Starfish Firefish, I think about you. And when I think about you, <laughs> I, think about, <laughs> I think about the tears that I've cried in the past and how... Those tears were soothed by the poker that I played on Nitrogen Sports. The, how the tears were soothed by the casino games I played on Nitrogen Sports. <laughs> how the tears were soothed, Starfish Firefish, by the casino games and sports betting I did on Nitrogen Sports. <laughs> How'd you sign up? <laughs> the tears 
were soothed, Grant, when I clicked the link in the description of this podcast, which took me to Nitrogen Sports so I could soothe the tears even more by playing in that poker tournament. But what was the tournament. most soothing thing? The oh, most you soothing thing you was just mentioned it. The poker tournament? Yeah. That was, that was actually not the most soothing thing. It was the second most soothing oh. thing, but pretty darn soothing. And if you need any kind of soothing happening, it's, it's worth taking a shot on Starfish, <laughs> Firefish. Um, but let me get back to that. Yeah, it's the uh, tournament with the biggest overlay in the history of online poker, consistently anyway, the one that's happening every month. I made that up. I don't know if that's yeah, true, Starfish, Firefish. It's possible. It probably is true. By percentage, not actual value. By percentage, yeah. yeah. No one else is giving away 90% of the pot every single month like the Poker Guys Tournament on Nitrogen is. I can tell you that. Um, you don't have to do anything. You just got to show up, pay your one-tenth of a millibit, which these days is like 75 cents. Bam, you're in. They guarantee 1,000 buy-ins. We got like 100 players. It's an unbelievable deal, Starfish, Firefish. And then you know what that does? It soothes the tears. That's a good idea. And uh, Starfish, Firefish, I think you know who you are out there. Yeah, you know. So go ahead and write Jonathan a handwritten letter. Yes. And say, yeah, it's me, Starfish, Firefish, parentheses, my real name. Please please send it via fax. Yes. Obviously. Jonathan's you, you, fax number is star, 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 pound, 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 pound. I mean, you can, if you're the real deal, you'll be able to intuit it. <laughs> Yeah. Starfish, firefish, and nitrogen. All right. That was a weird one. I dare them to make a commercial about that. Make a freaking ad about that freaking That was one of the weirder ones we've done. But, you know, you do this long enough, you're going (laughs) to hit all the different possibilities. Exactly. You know, multiverse theory, basically, except about podcast ads. Yeah. All right. Nothing weird about that. Moving on. Yes. We've got the Queen of Spades, Queen of Hearts, Eight of Spades flop. Andy checked two jacks, having three bet them out of the big blind. He does have the jack of spades, his little backup. Yep. And Garrett checked back with the nut flush draw with ace six of spades. Super weird. Solver hates it. Solver hates it. 97% and 90%. Bet, bet. Do it next time. Turns the deuce of clubs. Yes. Changes nothing. Queen, queen, eight deuce. I mean, either of these guys could have pocket deuces. Of course. Either of them could have. uh, If Andy has ace deuce, he just got there against Garrett. Sick. Possible. Yeah. All right. Guess what happens on the turn? Well, I feel like someone should put a bet in. Either one of the guys should probably bet. But I know what happens on the turn. It goes check, check. Yeah. yeah, They check again. Both of these guys check again. Yeah. All right. Why? Why? I think I understood Andy's check on the flop a little better than I understood Garrett's. Yeah. But if you're going to check the flop and get the check back and then get the cleanest card in the universe on the turn with Mm, two checks. Well said. It feels very strange. Very strange. To not bet now. Is Andy concerned that if he bets, Garrett might raise him more because he showed weakness on the flop? So then he's like, ah, maybe I'll end up throwing away two jacks. I'll pot control again. That's all I got. And that isn't very strong. That's always the case in poker, right? Like when you bet, they could raise and it's often going to suck. And we decide to call or fold or whatever we decide to do. I mean, it's scary. You just... You just, you just don't fold. Yeah, I agree. You just and don't fold. Like, you can bet and get called by worse hands. By the way, we're so deep, we don't have to bet very much. Like, we, even if we bet, get raised, and have to call the river bet, it's like 10K worst case scenario, right? And, like, that sucks, but we started the hand with $55,000, right? Like, it's not a huge blow to our stack. Obviously, right, and, it's real money. And the expected value against this guy is exactly. certainly positive. Right. So, who cares? So let's, let's like, make the positive play here and bet that thing. Do you think at this point yeah. Andy's planning on a check raise? No. You don't? I don't. I don't think there's a lot of value in a check raise. Like, we check raise and Garrett's going to fold a lot, is my guess. You would think. Or, or not fold and have us beat a lot, and then I'm trying to find there's out a some reason. in between. I'm trying to find out a reason to check instead of bet. Oh, I see. I just, I don't love the idea of a check raise here on the turn, personally. I, I mean, it's I, certainly not conventional, but neither of these guys are playing yeah. the hand conventionally. I, I mean, I like, a, I like a call. If we're going to check, I like a call better than a raise, just because I'm trying to get two streets of value, and I think it's easier to do it by calling. I think we're just going to fold out all at Garrett's bluffs, and why would we want to do that with this hand, and this, this nice medium-strength hand? That's all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it just feels like a bet. Yeah. Solver agrees. Solver absolutely agrees. Solver wants Andy to bet 86% of the time. Less than the flop. 
from 97 to 86 on the cleanest card in the deck, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. You think it would be, I would guess it would still be like 95 to 97, maybe even go up to 98. It's like, nah. Now that we're checking, maybe Solver Solver knows that Garrett checked back, so it's like, well, we got to capture the value of him bluffing now. Yeah, the Solver does know that. That's true. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe, but when he checks back, he has some of his, you know, showdownable value is checking back, right? Like a lot of his medium strength showdownable value, which is exactly what Jax is designed to beat on this board. It's exactly right. Yeah. Anyway, it's weird. So what do you think about Garrett's check back? I don't understand that either. Andy, I, think, I think I get it a bit more than I get Andy's check here. Okay, go on. I think at this point when Andy checks twice, it's pretty unlikely that Andy has four or five of hearts still. Even if he's giving up on the flop, right. he's probably not giving up on the turn. Well, we didn't really think he was giving up on the flop. I anyway. know, but but it's more likely to be giving up on the flop with a five high than giving up twice, right? Like actually checking the turn when you get the go-ahead from Garrett on the flop. I don't know if I buy that, actually. You don't? Okay. Because like I would assume that Garrett has a lot of um, showdownable value and is calling a turn bet, like a lot. Maybe that's true. So like... That's why we can bet the flop and fold out a lot of Garrett's crap. But now if we had four or five of hearts. Maybe we're going to check raise, but um, on the flop. So I'm not sure what what the plan would have been if it's check fold or check raise. But on the turn, like four or five of hearts, I get Andy's check. But I I don't know, man. I don't even know anymore. I, I I feel like I understand Andy's check a little bit more, where it feels like Garrett has a showdownable hand that may not fold. Mm. Mostly won't fold. Well, he has jacks turn. though. Yeah. So you understand the check against the showdownable hand that won't fold? No, no, no. I, we were talking about it from the point of view of what? I got myself into this. And you're you're pretending Andy has four or five of hearts? Yeah, because you said that, right? That's why. So why am I... Oh, no, I think you should bet. I said I, said yeah, I yeah. thought Andy should bet the whole time. Yeah. You said you were understanding Andy's check. No, I was saying I understand Garrett's check. Garrett's check. Yeah. Well, that makes more sense. But you understand Garrett's check more than you can understand Andy's check. Yes, on the turn. Right. Because it looks like Andy does have something yeah. now, right? And Garrett only has one card to come, and I don't think he has much fold equity at all. Especially if you're right that Andy doesn't even have four or five in the first place, like starting on the flop. Right, right, right. Okay. So I think I think Garrett's check is better on the turn than Andy's check is on the turn, personally. Because I think in order to bet a six of spades on the turn, I think you need immediate fold equity, and mm-hmm. I don't know if he really has it. Um, I don't know either. I think we should still bet. I still want to bet. I want to build a pot. Like, what if we hit a spade and we make almost no money? Don't we want to try and... Like, I know we're only going to hit a spade 20% of the time. We're going to hit an ace sometimes. We're going to hit a six sometimes. Once in a while, we even have the best hand. Very unlikely, but once in a while. I don't know why we're not trying to build this pot up for, like, the times when really good things happen. Well, I think that argument just applies a lot better to the flop than it does to the turn. Agreed. Agreed. But even on the turn, we can start betting here. It's okay. And, you know, we can also bet the turn and then bluff the river if we want. You know, we don't have to give up on the river. Yeah, but on most clean runouts, we're not going to get it through against Andy if he has anything of showdown value. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, I think if Andy has two sevens, he's going to call the turn for sure, and the river is a weird spot for him, depending on what the card yeah. is. You know, like we can have lots of, we have, we can have an eight for Depends sure. Depends on the sizing. I mean, are we really going to size it small? I don't know what we're... I mean, you mean on the turn or on the river? On the river. Are we going to bet pot on the river with an eight? Uh, no, we would... No, you're right. We'd pick a sizing that feels like an eight, for yeah. sure. Would we even bet an eight on the river? I think so. Oh, you mean bet it again on the river? Yeah. Maybe the best eights only. Even yeah. then, it's not great, because yeah. Andy can easily have nines, right? Right. But he also has worse hands. He probably has enough worse hands that we're probably supposed to bet. It's close. If you don't, but if you don't think Andy's going to call with all the hands that are worse than an eight very often, then we should bluff sometimes here, right? Like yeah. We, I mean, that's the other side no, of I it. Think I, I agree that I think I would prefer a bet, but I th- yeah. I'm just saying I understand it more than I understand right. Andy's trick. That's fair. That's fair. No, I, I agree with that. I agree okay. with that. Well, Garrett does check. The solver doesn't hate it as much. But it doesn't. It still wants him to wants bet. Wants him to bet 64% of the time. Yeah. But it's not like an overwhelming thing, like, it, like all the rest of the decisions. Right. Yeah, the other ones were 97% bet, 90% for Garrett to bet, and then on the turn, 86% for Andy to bet. So I think what Garrett's doing here on the turn is he does believe he probably doesn't have any immediate fold equity, or not enough at least, to justify mm-hmm. a bet. And there's still a lot of deception going on here. Okay. That's my guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, if a spade comes and Andy bets, Garrett can raise, and it's really hard to put Garrett on a spade. It's, you know, sure. Cool. I, I think maybe the fold equity is a bigger piece of it, the lack of fold equity. Yeah. 
that too. But, you know, I think if we go bet, bet, we could have it. Or if we bet the flop, bet the turn, bet the river, we're going to have some fold equity there too. I don't know. There's lots of ways to have fold equity. And this is like, we're really working hard not to even give ourselves a chance. It's a multi-street plan most of the time, but like we could try and have it sometimes. I don't know. This just feels like such a good hand to be trying to have it I as mean, we've talked about. Both of, there are four checks that don't make sense yeah. so far. Okay. Fair enough. Hand. We're just talking about, yeah, we're just speculating on things that make them slightly better, I guess. Yeah. yeah fair enough. It's just all like metagame stuff, I, I would guess. Or they're just getting, or they're getting too fancy. I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, probably. I think there's a huge metagame, but there's a lot of fancy pants stuff going on here, too. I mean, sometimes I like wonder when I see stuff like this, maybe if they just played reasonable ranges, tried to be reasonable, tried to think on like more normal levels, if they would just do better against each other. Cause, you know, like sometimes they make bad folds against each other, too, because. They're trying to like level upon level upon level. Garrett folds to the full house. Garrett, you know, whatever it is, these things happen. And sometimes, sometimes correctly, sometimes not. Yeah. Anyway, maybe it all works out in the end, but just saying. I mean, it's kind of like Doyle Brunson on high stakes poker back in the day. Like he, he had like a record of winning sessions in a row. He won like 16 sessions in a row and he was never doing anything very interesting in those shows. He would always flat with the big pairs. Right. That was, that was, his, big thing. That was his big, like, most interesting thing. But overall, he just played reasonable ranges and yeah. played them relatively conservatively and let the maniacs of the world go nuts yeah. and uh, printed money. Yeah. I mean, like, that works really well yeah. in poker. We got to survive a little variance, but it works really yeah. well. Like Wonka on poker time. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, he's not making big, splashy plays, but he's just grinding it away, making money. That's what I do, man. Every Monday night and <laughs> Thursday night, <laughs> same kind of a thing. You just sit back and don't be the crazy one, and it all works out. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a viable strategy, but these guys are trying to be something different. Yes. Obviously. And it's more fun to be something they different. They built than that. brands, you know? And it's, it's more fun. It's mm-hmm. more fun to be that guy. Anyway, they've checked a billion times so far. Yeah. And uh, what you should check out is our book. Nice. Proceed like to check out. Oh. To purchase the book. Better check out yourself before you wreck out yourself. How can he fold is what you'll ask yourself as you read the title of the book, because that is the title of the book. It's a good title. And when you read, you usually like have a little voice in your head that reads it. So that's what you're going to be asking yourself. Something like 55% of people do, yeah. It's only 55%? I don't know. I made but, that number up. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> there's a link in the description to thepokerguys.net. That's where you can get the book. There's an ebook there. You can get it on Kindle. You can also take that boat over to Amazon, where you can get the paperback version. It is yeah. 37 tournament hands that Jonathan and I have text conversations about. They are extremely well analyzed, Jonathan. I think I can say that. I think you can. With some decent confidence. I like that you're We spent it. a year doing it. We really cared about it. We put our heart and soul into it. <laughs> we believe in the book. It starts with the least complex hands, ends with the most complex hands. And when I'm talking most complex, I'm talking a what? A brain buster? Ouch, my brain. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you're going to be saying. But you're also going to be happy at the same time because we have fun during the book. So basically, you'll have fun. You'll learn. It's a poker book you'll actually read. Yeah, here's one five-star review from Amazon, even though we have like 35 five-star reviews. This one says, entertaining and easy to read. That This is a great book for both the novice poker player just getting their start into the game and for the advanced player that is looking for some entertainment and situational coaching. Grant and Jonathan do an excellent job finding a balance between the nostalgia of revisiting famous hands from years ago with current and up-to-date concepts that apply to some of the most recent viral televised hands. I highly recommend this book and think that all poker players of all levels will enjoy it. Well said, my friend. Now, that is the type of review I can get behind. Yeah, that's, that is by Amazon customer, and you sure are, Amazon customer. You sure are. Amazon customer is my favorite customer. Well, yeah. So also Jeff Bezos' favorite customer. Well, yeah. He's, he's doing well, that guy. Yeah. Um, okay. I feel like we've done a great job with that. And now I'd like to transition to the tweet of the week. Oh, Before tweet of we the week. You told, to me, the, you told me you were going to do yeah. this. That's since, great. since we're like taking time away from the hand for a second anyway in the analysis. Mung Juice tweets, at two poker guys. I don't often wash my hands after number one. Oh, this is the, because we, we talked about how people don't wash their hands in the bathroom and play poker. Correct. Yes. Yeah. This is from like one or two podcasts ago. I don't, have, I don't often wash my hands after number one. I figure I wash my dick every day. So if nothing gets on my hands, no wash necessary. Is this unreasonable? Fair question. Uh, maybe. Well, we responded. Great. 
Oh, we did. You're not aware of this, but we did respond. We said A, splash factor. B, junk sweat. Might be hard to know if any got on your hands. There's fecal matter everywhere, for example. <laughs> Mung Juice responds A, I'll feel the splash. B, is sweat unsanitary merely because it's on your junk? <laughs> what kind of urinals are you guys using that have fecal matter everywhere? And that ended the tweet of the week. <laughs> okay. Well, I have things to say about that. Go for it. First of all, I appreciate Mung Juice coming at it from a different perspective yeah. and giving his opinion. That's great. I appreciate the discourse. <laughs> it's a free country, man. At free the same world. point, do you really want to be the guy on that side of the argument? Is that the guy that you want to be, Mung Juice? I mean, in theory, this means, let's say you're playing in a poker tournament. You could take out your cock <laughs> and flop it all over the chips, and that should be fine because it's clean. I don't think anyone's going to be cool with that, man. I think there's going to be major hygiene issues, or it'll be seen as major hygiene issues, right? So... First of all, we recommend not doing that. I think what Mung Juice is saying is that society has this wrong. Yes, I think that is what Mung Juice is saying. You're yeah, right. and, but, but by societal standards, I do believe it is taboo to not wash your hands after using the restroom. I believe that is true, even though I have heard the argument made the other way, not just by Mung Juice. Still, come on, people. Yeah. Right, like, let's, let's keep it together and believe... This just is believe the science. Is this the new English muffins versus croissants? Is it like we're on the same gonna, side? Is it going to divide the audience though? Like 50, I don't. Th- I don't think it's going to be fifty-fifty. Although neither was English muffin versus croissants. It definitely the audience chose croissants. I mean, I hate to admit it, but they did. But it was closer than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, well, if anybody wants to come to the defense of mung juice, I'd love to hear some more. I'm arguments. sure someone. I'm <laughs> sure someone will. I'm sure someone will. Also, coming from a guy named Mung Juice. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. I'm so used to these Twitter handles. All right. Let's get back to the hand yeah, okay. instead of whatever the hell that was. That was great. Yeah. That was podcasting 101. All right. We've got four checks. Two on the flop and two on the turn by these players. On the flop of Queen of Spades, Queen of Hearts, Eight of Spades, the turn of Deuce of Clubs. Somehow the hands are jacks for Andy having three bit out of the big blind and ace six of spades for Garrett. In position with the not flush draw. Sure. So what the hell? No idea. All right. Let's bet. It's about putting money in the pot, people. Well, there's money's going to go in the pot on the river. I'm going to yes, tell you that much. I so. do know that. So that that should make the audience makes happy. Me, makes been, me feel better. They they'll be satiated for their need for action. Yeah, it's coming. Six of clubs. Hey, Garrett makes a pair. Garrett makes the best six he can make. I'll say this: if Andy decides to bet now, Garrett will probably call. Hey, Andy will get some money. That's I mean. Yeah, that's cool. But Andy checks. Why? It's check number five. <laughs> five checks in a row. These are the two most aggressive players in the history of life at the bike. <laughs> yeah. They have 550 blinds deep. They both flopped reasonably well, and no one is showing any strength. Why are there five checks in a row? Why right. did Andy check the river? I don't know. I mean, when Garrett checks twice, he often has a showdownable hand. He's often going to call once, right? All right. Let's ask this question from Andy's perspective. Okay. If Andy checks, what are the outcomes? Okay. What hands is Garrett checking back that Andy could have gotten value from? Um, possibly ace highs. Like ace nine suited type hands? Sure. All the ace X suited, perhaps. Yeah. Um, some version of those. Uh, p- baby pocket pairs. So like threes, fours, fives. Yeah. Uh, maybe sevens once in a while. You'd expect sevens to bet the turn. Yeah. I would expect sevens to bet the I would. Uh, but maybe sevens. It's hard to come up with anything else. I don't think Garrett's calling with king high. Are there hands in Garrett's range that he will bet as bluffs? Did he get here with bluffs? Did he check twice with hands like six, seven of hearts? Which I guess no longer would count. But like uh, yeah, yeah, seven, eight of hearts. No, that doesn't count either. Right, seven, nine of hearts. There you go. We did it. Um, he might feel obligated to take a shot when Andy checks yet again, and it looks like Andy's got ace high. Yeah. And if he takes a shot, he's probably going to go kind of big, right? Yeah. As a bluff. He's going to yeah. probably have to bet big, which means we get maybe we get two streets worth of value out of this, which maybe. would be kind of cool. So that's actually kind of an interesting reason to check. But I think we're getting called a lot if we bet anyway. So, Yeah. Well, i got to tell you something. Okay. He's, he's got some plans, and I'll tell you about them later. Great. All right, so he checks... Garrett, it's thin, but I guess should go for value with this I think line. He from Andy, has right? to go for value. And he probably you would expect him to have bet nines, tens, jacks, or an eight or sevens on the turn Fuck at yeah. the very least, right? Yeah. 
So Garrett thinks A6 is good enough to try to get value out of either a baby pair or ace high. Yeah. So this is the decision that makes the most sense in the hand so far. Garrett bets. Great. Thank you. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Hey, by the way, on the river, guess who wanted Andy to check 97% of the time? The fucking solver. The solver wanted Andy to check 97%. Why? Because now it thinks it ne- it's trying to induce a bluff, I guess, out yeah, of Garrett. Now it's like, what are we going to do? Like, I mean, traditionally, you would think that if Garrett had anything of showdown value, he would have bet it on the turn. Um, well, not showdown value, just like um, like good showdown value, right? Like, yeah, I, yeah like, any pair. Gonna, like an ace high has showdown value, but like a weak ace high is often going to check back, right? Perhaps. But any pair you'd expect to bet the turn. Um, yeah, I think that's right. Any pair. Anyway, solver, I don't know what you're talking about, but it wants Andy to check 97%. It's interesting. It, okay. want, it does want Garrett to bet, which makes sense. 99%. Yeah, when Andy's checked three times, sure. I like that. Yep. All right. So, so that's good. Garrett does bet 2K. Good. Okay, we bet two-thirds of the pot. Seems reasonable. Think we're going to get called sometimes. When we're called, we're going to win more often than we're going right. to lose. Andy is underrepped. Yes. But should he consider raising? Is that just weird and too much? Because, like... How, how do you get action for more sands type of thing? I think it's okay to consider raising here when Garrett chooses the sizing. He bets pretty big. He bets two-thirds of the pot. It's relatively normal cash yeah. game stuff. If he was bluffing, I got to believe he'd bet more than this. Maybe. He's got him. I think he would try and um, polarize himself a bit more just to fold out some of those baby hands that are going to call when it's, quote, cheap, unquote. Right. That would be my concern. So, so I might, so as Andy, I might think that I could get away with this. Because the sizing is what it is. And if Andy's going to raise, it's going to be a value raise, of course. Yes. He's not trying to fold out pocket kings. Absolutely not. This is only for value if we're doing it. It's super thin. I don't think I have it in me to make this play yet. And I would like to. I mean, I have some cool plays in me. But in a cash game this deep against a really good player, I think I would just check call and not really consider. I might think of the raise, but I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I wouldn't pull the trigger. But I think it's probably okay to, to raise here. All right. And Andy does. That's cool. That's what we're talking about he raises to seventy six hundred, so yeah. he's targeting a six mostly. Um, yeah, and any like super slow played pocket pairs that Garrett just decided to continue to slow play, which is not very many things. No, admittedly. and same thing with an eight. You would really expect an eight to bet the turn. Yep, if not the flop. Yep, you would. So no, there's not a whole lot there, admittedly, and this is why maybe it's not a great idea to raise. Yeah. Right, if you're mostly just, just targeting there. a six, which is like a very weak hand. So yep. maybe they're going to fold anyway. Yes, and actually, if he's going to fold a six and then raise... Like, if Garrett has pocket sixes, he's not going to fold. That's Which not is certainly good for in us. his range. Yeah, no, it makes sense that he could have pocket sixes yeah. here. He might have bet that on the turn, but he, he might have checked it. Yeah. Um, it's possible we're going to put ourselves in the spot where actually we're, we might be getting close to game theory disastering ourselves if we think Garrett's going to bet the turn with a lot of the hands yeah. that, that are pretty good. Well, like a little better than a six. The good thing is we don't expect to be behind very often as yes. played. Like it's really hard to put Garrett on a queen. Right. And more pocket eights or pocket eights. Yeah. So then we're down to just like sixes. Yeah. And it's maybe, really just sixes. I yeah. think maybe deuces, maybe sometimes, but you'd think he would bet the turn with that also. I would think he'd bet the turn with it. And like Kings plus, I think he would have bet turn at, I think he the, at the worst, bet. but even if he didn't, yeah. like he would have bet the turn at the latest with Kings and aces right. and stuff. So, quad queen you would whatever. think but as we saw garrett had the nut yes. flush draw and checked it all the way down true that's true i would never put him on the nut flush draw either yeah yeah so i don't know this raise in principle i kind of like it like it feels it's cool and like cool. intellectual but yeah. maybe it's not good anyway i think it might be a little too as we've been saying this whole time like a little too fancy i get it I don't know if it's va- I don't know if there's value to be had or not by actually raising here. You know, I yeah. just worry that there isn't any actual value. Maybe Andy's doing it to like because there's a meta game going on here because Garrett's going to find out what he had, and so if Garrett finds out that Andy's capable of raising jacks, it really screws him up for like a while, and maybe that's the value of it. Maybe, but like raising jacks for value, whether Garrett calls or folds, it isn't like we we still get the value of Garrett knowing that, which right. we don't get in a normal poker game. Maybe, maybe there's something there. So then when Andy now can raise and Garrett's going to have to hero with different kind, with a different range and play back with a different range and all that. Well, he does raise. Yes. Makes it 7,600. The solver wants, wants Andy to call. Yeah. Solver wants him to call 92.5% of the time. Right. 
It does want him to raise the rest of the time. It never wants him to fold, of course. Well, of course not. Because that would be absurd. So so a raise is not like... Sometimes we get like 1% or less than 1%. Yeah. 7.5% is, a, is like, oh, yeah. Like, you can raise this a little bit. I mean, and like like we said, we get it. We kind of yeah. get where he's coming from. The, the lines these players took, you can try to eke out a little bit of value. Yeah. A call is worth more than a raise, according to the solver, by $112, though. Yeah. So... You know, that's a really nice dinner. Uh, yeah, or a lot of a lot of really not nice dinners. Yeah. Not a you can fill your freezer. Oh, my God. How many frozen pizzas is that if you choose right? That's a lot. A lot. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so how, does, how should Garrett proceed here? Kind of sucks. You're like, I am value betting. Oh, got I check raise. don't know anymore what to do. All right, so... I think all three options are at least something to consider for Garrett. Yes, but... I actually am leaning away from a fold pretty heavily because this because because of Andy's line. Sure. That's go ahead. Talk more about that. I, I just don't think there's enough value to justify folding when we river a six and bet it for value here against a player like Andy, when Andy is checked three times, mm-hmm. like I it's, I know we checked back the nut flush draw, so I guess we're going to check back some really strong hands, but it feels like this is actually one of the stronger hands we show up with. I mean, I think you're probably right on this board yeah. at this point. Like, we can have pocket sixes, probably. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the next... This may be the next strongest hand we show up with, unless we can have sevens once in a while. Yeah, maybe. But that's basically one pip down anyway. Yeah, but, but more important than that to me is Andy's line. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Andy may have purposefully taken this line as an inducing strategy so he could check raise at any point and yeah. finally got his opportunity with like whatever hand he has, which could be a lot of things. I, I know that's like, that's a stretch, but everything these guys are doing is a stretch. I mean, if Andy has like the four or five of hearts yeah, and was checking to check, raise the flop, checking to check, raise the turn and now checks and we checking and either, you know, loses a small pot or you bet. And he feels like, well, you don't have a very strong range either, bro. And then check raises. And he probably has a stronger range than Garrett, right? Yeah. So probably. I don't know. They're both checking so much. It's hard to know. Like they both have something. Or Garrett, Garrett almost certainly has something because he checked twice. And until Andy takes this line, I would think he has something too. Now that he check raises, he can have some bluffs here. Yeah. So you think you just got a call mostly here? Mostly call. Yeah. What Not you, crazy. What do you think? I don't know, honestly. Uh I worry that I'm getting played exactly the way this is playing out. That yeah. He's got like nines plus or ace eight or something like that. And he's just maximizing value and owning me super hard with a call. And I'm concerned about that. Yeah. As someone who just got owned, I was telling you a story about getting owned in poker uh, in one hand uh, just the other day. Uh, it's not a great feeling. It's a, I admire the other guy when they do it, but still, it doesn't feel awesome to get owned. Yeah, you know, and this is like kind of ownage, and it feels like it's all sort of set up to own me pretty hard. <laughs> so, well, there is a third option. Yes, and Garrett's going to take it. Yeah, he's going to raise. Garrett decides to three bet. So at this point, he's pretty much putting Andy on the type of hand that Andy has. Yeah, because otherwise you wouldn't three bet, right? You yeah. wouldn't three bet against a bluff, and you wouldn't three bet against a nutted hand, or right. even like a weak queen. If you thought Andy had a weak queen, you wouldn't. You, you wouldn't attempt that. If you thought Andy had pocket eights or pocket deuces or any queen or anything like that, you would not be doing this play. So Garrett pretty much pins Andy's range correctly is what yeah. it seems like. Yeah, Andy's line is, as it turns out, kind of face up-ish. Yeah. And honestly, that's why I was saying, like, worried about being owned. It isn't that I worry about being owned by quads. I'm worried about being owned by two tens here, right. you know. Or two, two, I mean, two nines, two sevens. I mean, it's probably not two not sevens. sevens. Probably, it's probably nines or yeah. tens or jacks, right? But, like, ugh horrible well garrett does three bet but the sizing is interesting yeah he goes for 36k yeah over 7600 this is a large risk this is a financial risk yes (laughs) (laughs) 36,000. you don't have to make it that much you don't and yet that's what happened well there's currently now let's see there's 96 there's 12,600 in the pot and garrett makes it 36k and actually it only costs him 34 to do it cuz he already put 2k in. Yeah. So it's 34 to win 12 basically. Or 12 a little more, sorry, 12.6. And and to tell Andy to get off your lawn. I guess. What? And to tell Andy to get off uh, your lawn. Like he's just like Andy don't don't fuck with me. Yeah. It's true. Remember, we were saying this is going to change yeah. when Garrett sees what's happening. Well, Andy's going to see what happens too now. That we did one either Andy's got a big hand 
or you know he's not going to fold, or yeah. he's going to fold and find out that we did this, and it's going to be harder for Andy to make plays at us. These these more medium strength plays, right? When if you can get Andy, so he's more polarized more of the time, that's good. As for Garrett, it's, it's almost like these guys are playing a mutually assured destruction game where Feels it's like, like it. you can't you can't put in more bets against me with these random hands because I'm just going to make it worse for you. Yeah, you know, like I don't and I don't care. Yeah, you know, um, Garrett chooses a sizing where yeah, Andy just like. I mean, it seems sort of insane to think about doing anything but folding a hand like Jack's. It feels like Garrett hits sixes. Right, but... And maybe that's why he chooses the sizing, because when he takes this line, it looks like one hand only for value. Yeah. It looks only like sixes full, basically. I guess he could have quads and potentially play it this way. I guess he could. Yeah. I guess. So whatever, that adds one combo. It's not a huge thing. Yeah. And it's not really a full combo because he didn't four-bet preflop. And he's not always going to do it that yeah. way, for sure, with quads, right. right? So, yeah. Um, so it's very thin, what Garrett is repping. Right. And I think that's why he makes it as big as he does, right? He's like... Should Andy consider calling anyway because of how crazy thin this is? Well, I mean, now we're polarized, right? Now Jacks are way... I mean, there's nothing left anyway, but, it, but Garrett either has a monster or we're, we're comfortably ahead. Yes, of course. So it's, like we're saying, it's mostly pocket sixes or we win. I don't know, man. I mean, here's the question we have to ask ourselves as Andy, right? What hands is Garrett doing this as a bluff? Let's, let's, because we, we know what the value is now. What's, what's the bluff? I know I'm saying this with perfect information, yes, okay. but it does feel like any six is the perfect hand to do it with okay. because you block sixes full. I agree. So let's say, let's say as Andy, we come to that level of it where okay. we're like, okay, he can have sixes full. He can have a six and decide to make this play. It's hard to come up with too much else. Maybe he can have an eight makes this play once in a while, but probably he's going to bet an eight on the turn, so it doesn't seem super likely. It's hard to put him on a six getting to the river like this, by the way, that is not necessarily sixes full because he didn't bet when given the opportunity twice. I agree. So if he had five, six of diamonds, you got to think like he's just going to check back twice with five, six of diamonds. He could have six, eight and not have bet the turn, and now he blocks two full houses. Yeah. That's like a better. That's a, the but ultimate you really expect hand. him to bet the turn. Yeah, of course you do. Um, very much so. So if we're Andy and we think this is true, that, okay, it's either a six in his hand, which they're, they're hard to come up with that many sixes. There's a six suited for sure. And then there's all the sixes that have no showdown value and decided not to take. And you would like probably think it's not a six of spades, by the way. You'd think it's the other two combos yes. left of a six. Suited. Right. So he's got two. So maybe he, if we, we think he only has the two a six suited or he's got three combos of sixes. Well, and maybe a little bit of quad queens. Maybe a little bit of quad queens. Maybe once in a while he has some other weird bluff. Maybe he has an, maybe he has an eight once in a while and checks the turn and turns it into a bluff here. Maybe. But then you can give him a little bit more of the A6 suited, like more of the whole combo of A6 suited than sixes because you'd expect him to bet the turn with sixes more than A6 suited. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair if he had to pick. Yeah. Because we assume he doesn't have spades almost ever. Right. Right. Okay. So then maybe it's about even. Maybe. Well, if it's even, then mathematically we can call. Every time it's even in a cash game, you can call mathematically. Yeah. I mean, or poker in general. There's yeah. always extra dead. There's always dead money in there, right? right. So. I mean, there's, you, can, you could come up with an ICM situation where it's not. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. That, that, that's a good point. Yeah. Of course, you're right. Um, is it actually even? Is Garrett doing this with all of his A6s here? No. He's doing it with his sixes full, though. Maybe not. 36k every time but he's three betting yeah it's just to face up what andy's doing yeah. not to not to go for it right you have to go for it with sixes full against a guy like andy you're like maybe he has a queen i'd hate for him to snap move in or no i, I just move in forget snap i hate for him to move in because then it looks like queen i guess we can get away from sixes if he moves in right? if he moves in we fold sixes yeah especially okay. when you make it 36k exactly that's what i'm saying like and we're only 55k deep total to yeah. start the hand like we don't think Andy has that bluff in him yet. We don't think anyone... We haven't really seen anyone I mean, that bluff if in him. And, Andy might be the guy. It is a cool bluff if you have a queen to turn your queen into a bluff because you're like, oh, 36K, that might be too That's much for sixes, me yeah. to call with Queen Jack here, but I know he doesn't have quads. Yeah. So how can he call? Right. Yeah. How can he call? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really hard to come up with anything at all. Yeah, so that'd be pretty interesting, actually. If Andy can move in and fold out what feels like Garrett's entire range of But you need to have a queen to do that. And you need to have a queen and take this line, which is, like, impossible. Right. So we're back to that can't be the case. Yeah. Oh, well. So, yeah, I think I I fold as Andy because I don't imagine Garrett is doing this. 
it's hard for him to get to the river with just a six. And when he does, I don't think he's doing this that often. I mean, here's the question I want to at least ask is Andy, because all this leveling stuff, what I always want to do is just fall back into more obvious game theory concepts, which are going to sort of guide me. Sure. So if we're going to use distribution here, the question is, and I don't know if Andy can answer this. I don't know if we reasonably can. What, where does this fall in our distribution based on this line? Is this the best hand we ever have? Well, we check raised. Yeah. We went check, 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 raise. Yeah. Do we have aces? Maybe we can have aces and kings. Yeah, I imagine we can. Okay. Do we have better than that? We probably we have to have at least a queen sometimes, sometimes right? Like some queens. Okay. Hard to believe we ever have pocket eights. And we probably it. have quads. The quads are tiny, tiny, yeah. tiny. Like of all the times we get there with all the times we flop quads, we actually take this line maybe 4% of the oh, yeah, time. It's not a lot. But okay, but we have a tiny bit of quads. Aces and kings it seem like reasonable because they're not really any different than yeah. jacks here. They feel the same. So then tens and nines are the other two that make sense. So you're like right in yeah. the middle of those. Okay. All right. So at least it's not the top of our yeah. distribution. That's good. That's really good. Um, I think when he makes it this much, we can probably just fold. Then if since we're not at the top of our yeah. distribution, we're not getting exploited by that. If we're really going to play aces and kings like this, and we're going to play quad queens like this, and maybe maybe even a, a random queen like this once in a while too. Yeah then it's probably okay. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I see how this can be profitable for Garrett over time. This might actually be a profitable play against this line. It's just a very scary thing to, to make it 36. Oh my here. God. So insane to go. And this, you know, I, I sort of love it in no limit where on the same street, you can have a plan. Like I'm thinking of this hand. I'm thinking of the Davidi Katai hand from way back when against Andy Chen, when they were heads up for an EPT title and Davidi, Bet ace high as a bluff on a four straight board, got raised and called. Oh, yeah. Then, because now he's like, oh, I don't have to bluff. I can call and win because now you're so, your value range is so narrow. Ace high is beating all your yeah. bluffs. Like, we're beating everything except the top end of the straight here. This is suddenly really good. Um, watching Garrett go from value betting to bluffing within the space of, one action by Andy is it's pretty amazing. It is just to be able to switch gears like that um, and actually pull the trigger. And it it's works. Pretty cool. Andy does fold. Yeah, I mean, I understand the solver wants him to fold. Ninety nine percent of the time, the solver wants to yeah. fold. By the way, the solver wants Garrett to raise forty five percent of the time. Yeah, it wants him to actually take this line. Yeah, it, that's the it's most call only twenty two percent fold thirty two and a half percent. So it's like if you're gonna do anything, man, fucking put the raise in, bro. Yeah. It's Although pretty it's, cool. It's close to a fault. In Very interesting hit. Yeah. Really